0: Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.
1: Welcome, Philly, to your favorite sports show, Song Bra. Hosted by Jesse Town and Sam Wilson. They're smart, they're sexy, and they're all Philly. So thanks for tuning in, and we hope you enjoy
2: the show. Hello and welcome in to Babes on Broad, episode number 35. I'm Sam Wilson with my co-host, Jesse Town, and we are the Babes on Broad, brought to you by Bleeding Green Nation and SB Nation. You can give us a follow on all platforms, that's Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at Babes on broad, and then you can also follow our or not follow but go to our website babesonbroadpodcast.com and then if you want to personally follow me on instagram and twitter i am at samwills18 and then jess on insta is at jessica underscore town with an e and then on twitter at run this town with an e13 and first of all before we even get into what happened yesterday we want to thank everybody well on sunday We want to thank everybody for tuning in to our first ever live pregame show. We had a blast. It was more than I could have expected. It went great on our end. It went great on the listener's end and everybody interacting. I thought it was amazing. What were your thoughts, Jess? It was super fun to be able to
3: interact with everyone and have everybody comment and talk. And especially when we did the prop bets and things, we're going to do those every week. We're going to do the pregame show every week, but we're also yeah. going to do the different prop bets and things and get everybody's answers in. And if you guys come up with ones, again, like you kind of did the other day, that was super fun, too, like the, the double move with Ronald Darby. That one <laughs> that was, was good. There, the couple over-unders that you guys came up with were really awesome. So it was super fun to do, and it was super fun, too, because, I mean, it, it does get a little tiring to – you just want to – especially without being able to go tailgate, without being able to go to the games, you know, when you're at a tailgate, and when you're getting ready for the Eagles, like you're getting pumped up, you're getting excited and you're with Eagles fans, you're feeling good. And you know, it's, it's, you know, 16 and 0 we're going to the Super Bowl, uh, Super Bowl <laughs> champs this year. Like that's the vibe. So when you're sitting at home and you can't really watch any, I, I, I get that feeling, it's, you know, the, the regular pregame shows are going to bring you down. They're going to be too yeah. analytical. They're going to bring you down. And our goal was to get pumped up and I pumped myself up.
2: <laughs> I know. I hope I we excited, pumped everybody else up. No, but it was so much fun because that's the fun of it is we are able to be more eagle centered and we can talk just eagles and whoever they're playing. And I mean, yeah, we're a little biased, but we also just give good football insight to a point while we also have fun and hype everybody up. So I think it's what I would want to listen to. So I hope it's what everybody else wants to listen to. And we did get great feedback. So if anybody has any improvements that we could do, we'd love to hear that, too. So thank you to everybody that
3: talk about. Yeah. yeah. We had a great time and we had some good food while we were at it. We had some food from the Collegeville Italian bakery we pulled pork and all the fixins that go with that so Fresh great. bread, tomato pie. So good. I wish I had more right now. And we also <laughs> had Eagle Rita's and Eagle teenies that my mom made. I had an Eagle Rita because I prefer tequila over vodka. Sam had an Eagle teeny with vodka and it was strawberry vodka or strawberries muddled in tequila, uh, blue curacao, I think that's how you say it. Did we determine that's how you say it? I
2: think it's correct. I don't know. I can't even say it now. You got me messed up. <laughs>
3: yep, I got no idea. If someone knows, please tell me. Orange juice, lime juice, pineapple juice, and mint, and that was good. I
2: needed more though.
3: I needed more than the one I had. I know. Well, that, that was. Game. I was
2: upset. I had to drive because I wanted another one, but I was responsible. So
3: I should have. I should have kept drinking. Yeah, I you should have taken it for the team. Yeah, I. You know what? Next week. I'll do that. <laughs> next week I'll do that if it starts <laughs> we'll to, to drink next week. Yeah. If it starts to go as poorly as it did this week. But Yeah, right. I guess we have to talk about it, don't we?
2: Yes. The Eagles lose to the nameless football team twenty-seven to seventeen
3: after Giant starting seventeen
2: to nothing. Within what when was their last score? Like halfway in the second quarter?
3: Yeah, something like that. And then they let twenty seven unanswered points. They and and think about it. Think about how Awful of a first-half team they were last year, and we'd always talk about wanting them to come out, start fast, and keep the foot on the gas going through. Well, they finally started fast, <laughs> and, and everybody looked sharp. Everybody looked good. Carson looked fantastic on those first couple drives, and then all of a sudden, everything went, everything went downhill. He ended the game 24 for 42, 270 yards, two touchdowns, and two interceptions. I mean, it was a tale of two Carsons. It was yeah. unbelievable.
2: I know. And that's, I thought it was funny. Um, I had it written down in my notes yesterday in their post game, Doug and Carson's. They both said the tale of two halves. And I think it's funny that you say tale of two Carsons because that's more accurate. But Tales of Two Halves, last year we heard that after every single game, but it was the complete opposite. It was always the slow start. They couldn't do anything. And then they finished out, which normally played in their favor. And I think that's the thing is I rather have that than the tale of two halves that they're talking about this year where it's a quick start I would, and then- Oh my
3: business. God, please go, have, a, have a six quarterback rating in the first half if you're gonna come out and look like a world beater in the second half. I would much rather a terrible first half and an unbelievable second half because that typically means you win the game. <laughs> uh, this was unbelievable. There were, there were so many problems- in so many and and I think the the obvious one the first one is the offensive line right like so they drafted one young guy to help them this year knowing that their offensive line was starting to get up there in age obviously you know unfortunate with the injuries right you lose Andre Dillard you lose Brandon Brooks Lane Johnson can't go you find that out the morning of the game that he isn't active but you, you bring in one one new face to help you on the offensive line like Whoop-de-freaking-do. And during installs this week, Lane Johnson was the projected starter, so Jack Driscoll wasn't getting any work there. All of a sudden, we find out Jack Driscoll is your starting right tackle. Awesome. For some reason, they're also obsessed with Nate Herbig. Why? I have absolutely no idea. Doug said today, oh, he graded out well, so like sounds like he's going to be the right guard moving forward. Not sure how I feel about that. And then all of a sudden, you know, Jack Driscoll gets hurt. I don't really know what happened there. I did notice, though, when he came back, he had, like, a bandage on the inside of his arm. So maybe he got – he was dehydrated or something, like, got an IV, whatever. And then you had Jordan Mailata out there, which was just, like – I mean, the guy's never played football before. And then Jason Peters, I love the guy. He's a Hall of Famer. I don't know how many times we can say it, but, like, he can't move like he used to. He he can't. And you could see – I mean – the blocks he was missing and, and like this, you couldn't even get the screen game going because he, he can't move. Carson was sacked
2: eight times, eight times for a total of 52 yards. It's awful. And, and I think the two biggest questions out of the offensive line yesterday is one, everybody's saying it. Where in the heck was Matt prior? What happened there? Where'd he go?
3: Just be not good enough. I, I don't know. I thought he played okay last year and especially with, I mean, he has at least more in-game experience than Nate Herb if nothing else, right? Right, And then
2: also in the fact that when people started going down yesterday, like Driscoll and everybody, they put in Mylotta over Pryor, and I understand, like, maybe position-wise, like, they felt he was a better fit, but Matt Pryor has the experience. Mylotta literally looked lost and was looking at guys next to him as, like, a what do I do? I mean, was he essentially their backup left tackle?
3: He, he he became the starting left tackle when Andre Dillard got hurt then b- before Jason Peters moved over because JP came in I, to play right guard and Matt Pryor was playing left tackle when JP went down even though Matt Pryor was playing right guard last year when Brandon Brooks got hurt so maybe because they had been focusing him there so much they didn't want to move him back and they wanted to keep him there as the emergency left tackle in the case that especially given what happened with the fact that Lane wasn't starting and they knew that they could have Mylotta there. Maybe they trusted Matt Pryor as an emergency left tackle more than they would trust Jordan Mylotta as an emergency left tackle in that situation. Like, God forbid mm. both of them go down, you need to play Mylotta and Pryor. You'd trust Matt Pryor on the left side more than you would My I mean, I understand That's the best thing I can think. I
2: understand your rationale, but I do not agree with it at all. I think that instead of keeping somebody that you would think would be the best fit in this spot, when somebody goes down, you'd be like, okay, best fit go here. Like you don't just sit there and you're like, okay, well, just in case JP goes out, we need to sit this guy right here. And the fact that I saw, there were so many reports that Pryor was doing great in practice leading up to the game and he was at guard played well last
3: year when he had to come in for Brandon Brooks like he did a good job at right guard last year
2: like I understand like your rationale like that trying to figure out but there's literally no reason because even that like is the best possible option and it makes no sense to me
3: if it is what we're kind of saying in that I here's I mean here's another problem that goes into it right like bringing back Jason Peters fine but you you always have to have a backup plan Like, you have to game plan to constantly have someone who you trust right behind him because at any given moment, he might need to come out for a couple snaps or the rest of the game. So, like, you not only have to prepare your entire starting offensive line, you have to have somebody who's ready to go in at left tackle, like you have to have that emergency plan every week. And I understand that, you know, the next man up mentality, that's a normal thing to have in any sport is your backup should be ready to step in. But I feel like it's on another level for the backup left tackle of the Philadelphia Eagles.
2: Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and that's my – so I had two on my notes, like two things that were my top questions for the O-line, and one was where was Matt Pryor, and two, you knew that Lane Johnson, whether they told us or not, had surgery on his ankle two weeks ago. So why would you not sign Cordy Glunt? Why? What was the rationale of not doing that? It makes no sense to me because – Lane Johnson literally had surgery, whether it was invasive or not. There's obviously something wrong with him. There's a possibility he might not go. We already said JP's age. We have all the un- other inexperience on the line. Why – what's the rationale for not doing that? I don't know. But truthfully, I have absolutely no idea. And, and the further we get
3: – the further we get into it, game one. I, I, okay, this offseason has made me question – Severely question the competence of this front office. There are so many different things that go into it that that also kind of come back to my problems with the game on Sunday. So, I mean, obviously, let like let's let's start with the beginning of the offseason, right? You you, you commit to stop being attached to certain players. Okay, fine. You commit to getting Carson weapons and doing what you need to do to make this a winning football team and support your hundred million dollar man. Okay. Fine, you draft Jalen Hurts with the 53rd overall pick when guys like J.K. Dobbins, who had two touchdowns yesterday, were on the board, when other guys who were still on the board that you could have gotten as a weapon to your quarterback, and you take Jalen Hurts, who could be a good quarterback in this league, no one's arguing that, but you take a guy who is a healthy scratch week one when you have all of these injuries out here and you can't play your second round draft pick that is absolute crap and the fact that they are doing that they re sign jason peters they give jason peters more money so you now have to have an emergency plan everywhere you need to go your offensive line is suffering and aging your number one choice for receiver your starting wide receiver is Deshaun Jackson at 33 years old coming off an injury who you're load managing because you don't (laughs) think he can make it through an entire season healthy is also absolute crap. And to add on to that, the power struggle that's going on between Doug Peterson and Howie Roseman and Howie Roseman and Zach Ertz had to get into a screaming match over a contract in front of other players so when you have your number one weapon out there who has has his head somewhere completely else other than where it should be which is on the field because there's the contract dispute there's the fact that you are just absolutely disrespecting him on every level showing him that he means nothing to your organization because you want to try to offer him less guaranteed money when he has outplayed his entire contract he's done nothing but been good to this team and taken pay cuts, restructured his deal multiple times to make room for people like Alshon Jeffrey, who's out there not playing right now, after you saw what he did last year and the way he hung his head on the field, and Zach Ertz is out there playing with internal bleeding, and you want to treat him the way you are, this front office should be ashamed of the way that they have been acting over this last offseason and throughout this first game. It's disgusting, and it showed on the field on Sunday.
2: <laughs> yes, good job. You were. I am livid. You had um, Karen tone, but appropriate stuff. <laughs> in <that you> said. <laughs> but oh,
3: no, I agree a hundred percent. I'm just passionate.
2: <laughs> no, but oh, I agree a hundred percent with what you're saying. It was leading up to game time when somebody said to us that you literally drafted Jalen Hurts second over or not second overall in the second round. He was a healthy scratch game time when you had six starters that you could have yes th- – six different positions that you could have used a starter at, which is absolutely insane. And I think – I mean, it's I've been – It's It's dumb. Yeah. And that's the thing is I try not to bash Howie. I try to be like, okay, like, he's there for a reason. He has made some good decisions. And, like, it's kind of been like an even match, I feel like, going back and forth with him. But if this year does not – really have you questioning Howie Roseman and if he should be here next year, then you have no clue what's going on.
0: Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in.
3: I just feel like I've, I've tried so hard to give them the benefit of the doubt. And I've tried so hard to give the front office the benefit of the doubt with all the different things that they've done and all the different moves that they've made and the, the types of positions that they value over others and, and what they do and what they've tried to sell me over the last couple of years because they delivered, they delivered us a Super Bowl, mm-hmm. And you know what, there, there was a period of time in there where at the end of the day you could do no wrong because you delivered that Super Bowl. But don't go up there and tell me this is the new norm if you're going to go out there and make bonehead decisions from here on out. I just, I just don't agree with what they've got going on right now. And I think that they have made the absolute wrong decisions in several different ways, and I just I, I, I can't get on anymore. Now, I'm not a person – I will never, ever, ever – Sit somewhere and say and claim someone's job. I will never mm-hmm. say fire Howie Roseman. I would, I was never a fire Brett Brown person because I don't think it's right to sit here and claim to get rid of someone's livelihood. I just, I just don't agree with that personally. So I'm not going to sit here and say fire Howie Roseman. I'm not going to do it. I do not trust anything that any move that he is making right now. I, I am not on board with what he's got going on. He should be in the hot seat. Like he should feel mm-hmm. some pressure right now. He's not invincible anymore he's not untouchable anymore and if he's not feeling that way then we've got some bigger issues going on in that front office I mean all these reports about a power struggle I can see it you know I see it going on and I don't know you know I I think it's we do have to keep into perspective that there are a lot of good football teams that are going that are you know going into week two oh and one right like the, the Eagles aren't the only team that should be a you know we can't totally freak out. But there it wasn't, you know, a thing here or a thing there that needs to be cleaned up. There's a lot of crap going on on the field and off the field. And I just feel like, you know, there's so much going on at this point that they have just made poor decisions that don't seem to support their player that they need performing at the highest caliber. I mean, it's the same it's the same reason why you needed to not pay Nick Foles, you know, a $20 million franchise tag to keep him here because you needed to get him out of the building to open that door for Carson Wentz to just go do his thing, right? And you opened that door, and what did he do for you last year? He had his moments, right? Like he had issues last year. He had his moments where he was not great. But at the end of the day, he took a bunch of practice squad guys and willed them to the playoffs and then got cheap shotted and didn't get to, you know, really show us what he could do in that game. What do you go and do? You, you, you go do the same thing. You draft a quarterback in the second round that you don't plan on mm-hmm. playing. He's not even your backup quarterback. Yeah. There's much going on, and the decisions that are being made are just so poor for everything they want on the field. And, you know, then you add on there were so many other issues as well. Like, there were so many other issues. Like
2: well, yeah, on. that's what – yeah, well, so I was going to go into next – with was trying to pick some pieces, but you just – you went on a rant. I was letting you go.
3: <laughs> Sorry. I freaked out. My face got all red. I had it's to take okay. The it's understandable. After.
2: It's understandable. But so – I also,
3: after the game yesterday, I was so exhausted. I couldn't – Joe wanted to talk about it in the car. Yeah. And I was just like, I don't – Yeah, no, I was
2: right on right the right. same no, boat with you. After that to. performance, I was just, like, over it. Didn't want to think about I it. Do I was, it. I was pushing it off until we had to talk about it. But so one of the things you did say was, Carson – And that's, and you also said how so many things went wrong yesterday that shouldn't have went wrong even. And Carson was the main thing that went wrong and shouldn't have went wrong. You already said his stats. He was 24 for 42. He started off the game like 12 for 14, something like that, and was doing great. Something great. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, it was like that. And yeah, the man did get hit a bunch and he got sacked eight times and They were closing in on him almost every single play. But at the same time, he didn't throw away the ball at all. He didn't try to run away from until somebody was actually on him, try to get away. And there was just so much. They had no run game to really help them out without Miles Sanders. At one point, Boston Scott went into the tunnel. So what do we do with that? I think one of – okay, so
3: again, it was a very backwards day, right? So usually it's, you know, a crappy first half and they look good in the second half. Usually, the first 15 scripted plays, I absolutely hate, and they're just so god-awful. And then after that, when it's in the flow of the game, I start to like the play calling. Yesterday, loved the first 15. First 15 were great. After that, it, it, all, it, it all went to hell in a handbasket. There, there were multiple things. First of all, the three running backs, I know that Miles Sanders was hurt. I understand that. And I understand the offensive line had more holes than Swiss cheese. I get that. <laughs> but... They only used Jason Huntley once. They could have tried to get him involved a little bit more. Corey and Boston were getting you some good yards, and they were putting up some really nice runs. Why not emphasize the run game a little more when you're up 17 points? There were only yeah. 17 rush attempts the entire game. So not utilizing the run game at all, What I thought, was, I thought was a mistake. Not trying to force the issue a little bit more, I think, was definitely a mistake there, especially being up 17 points you know, you mentioned Carson's decision-making was extremely poor the entire game. Um, he, he missed he, when he, he had no time. When he did have time, he was missing guys left and right. Yeah. I mean, he was super inaccurate yesterday. Overthrows um,
2: behind. He looks sloppy. Yeah.
3: That one, I mean, the one interception to high tower, uh, I, I think it was a bad ball. No question mm-hmm. about it, but that was a rookie mistake on high tower. Yeah, I get it. You know, fought. when you like, when you're running a hitch, you sit on it a little bit. I understand that. But that's one where, like, you can't keep your feet stagnant and wait for the ball to hit you. Like, you got to come back to that a little bit. If you see the ball come, like, you need you need to make that adjustment on the ball. That's a chemistry thing. That'll come mm-hmm. That'll come a little bit further. You also got to assert yourself a little bit more and battle to come down with that ball or at least force it to an incompletion. You yeah. cannot let that Work become it an interception there. But kind of getting back to, to what you said with, with the play calling and, and things like that. They ran 12 personnel, the majority of the first two quarters. And I mean, you look at it and you're like, okay, they're not going away from 12 personnel. And you're like, but it's working. Hitting the the tight ends over the middle. I mean, Goddard had a great day for you. So that was what was working. Why did you go away from it? I mean, that third and three play call in the third quarter. I mean, why? That's ridiculous. That's, I, I hated that play call. And I mean, not to mention, we talked about Carson being inaccurate in this game. Carson Wentz is the most accurate quarterback in the NFL when he's on the move. Why, especially with a line that couldn't hold a pocket, why not try to move him a little bit? Yeah. Try to get Carson to roll out one way. The, try to get him to move a little bit more. Try to move the pocket one way or the other. Don't just keep it. He's not, he's not the world's best pocket passer. He never has been, and I don't know if he ever will be. But on the run, on the move, I get that he wants to extend plays, but you can't extend plays trying to duck out of things every single time. You're going to need to use your legs a little bit more, and I can appreciate that he's trying to stand to stay in the pocket a little bit longer, trust his guys. This is not the group you should be trusting. No, not right I now. Just, what else did you think was going to happen when you have five offensive linemen who couldn't block for squat yesterday – And you've got three enormous men who are sack machines. And Ryan Kerrigan, especially, who has always been an eagle killer, wreaking havoc. And you want to just keep it vanilla and keep it the same way, not move Carson around at all, not try to throw anything different out there. I mean, I think maybe they rolled him out once, one time. That's not his game. What are you trying to do? You're better at in-game adjustments than that like I give Doug more credit than that he he, I mean he he had an awful day yesterday Carson had an awful day Doug had an awful day
2: what's your what's your three in order worst parts of the game yesterday number one is
3: just blocking across the board not just even offensive line Mm -hmm. just everyone's blocking is horrific I think play calling absolutely was the the second my second biggest issue and then I think Carson was my third biggest issue Carson was a direct impact of some of the play calling. Um, And I think if some of the play calling was a little bit better, the collapse, I mean, like he, he cliff dove, like, that was straight off a cliff the way that went. It was, uh, it wasn't even like a slow decline. It just plummeted out of nowhere. And I think that was kind of a direct result of the play calling. And then the play calling also didn't adjust for what was going on with Carson. Like, I, th- I think yeah. they kind of go hand in hand, but the play calling, I think, was easily the worst. What about you, Sam? What are your three in order? So issues? I
2: have the three exact same ones as you, but I have the order a little switched. I would say blocking O-line, definitely my number one. But then I think I would have Carson at my number two because there are just so okay. many obvious yeah. throws. He had so many overthrows downfield where he had his receiver. He had Deshaun maybe once and then which again where was Deshaun? Why are you load managing him? Why? Have Why are you we load, load
3: managing?
2: Yeah, so that's interesting, and we'll see with Deshaun as well if there's something going on. There has to be something going on that he, they aren't telling us because the fact that last year was his only yes he's getting older he's thirty two almost thirty three I believe and last year was his only real injury in his career. So it's not like he's had other injuries where they're like okay like he bounces back slow like there must actually be something wrong or something that happened that they're nervous about and want to make sure it doesn't get aggravated or something so we'll see what happens there but so I have blocking a line number one and then I have Carson number two because he was overthrowing throwing behind people and then play calling because I think play calling would have helped him out I mean yes you don't have Miles Sanders but you need to get a run game especially when Carson's getting hit so much when he's overthrowing throwing behind just give him a break don't put the ball in his hands for a second
3: right those three things I mean any order you put them in they keep talking about teaching points I'm pretty sick of hearing teaching points at at, at this juncture there's so much to correct and at the end of the day if your best receiver and number one target and Zach Ertz has extremely poor body language and his mind somewhere else and and he's totally in his head that's a problem that should have been avoided and I and I understand you know I, I the tweets that were you know made me so mad like oh
2: that's not a way to get a new contract kind of thing but it's just like and everybody plays different in that situation some guys do well when they have something on their mind sometimes it distracts players every player is different and then The fact like that's why so many people like JT said for the longest time he wasn't going to have contract discussions during the season because he wanted to focus on the game so like it it factors everybody different and I do not um do not agree with those people that are he should have played better and he would have got his contract no it doesn't work like that you don't take a guy into a season in the first place and try to have screaming matches about his contract during the season I think that's more of a management problem than a player problem yep
3: but that is our show for today. Thank you guys for listening to us rant and scream and freak out about what happened on Sunday. I promise in our next episode, we will get to some of the positives that happened in the game on Sunday. Yes, we were actually able to find some as well as listener questions. Thank you to SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. As always, make sure you're following us on our show and on our individual accounts on social media, especially to get updates on everything going on throughout the week. Make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, Bleeding Green Nation, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, wherever it is make sure you leave a five-star rating written review the whole nine until next time we are the babes on broad on bgn radio
1: babes on B-G-N.
0: first thing in the morning as soon as you wake up the to-do list starts